I think most music fans remember the moment when they graduated from casual listener to rabid fanatic. Usually a song or an album would flick an internal switch, sending a person off into a music rabbit hole that had a myriad of pathways. For me, the rabbit hole led to the stage. For others, it leads to running a label, or taking long weekend journeys to rock concerts, or spending small fortunes on memorabilia, or collecting thousands of records. Whichever way one funnels their fanaticism, it all begins with a song or an album by a band that gave you goosebumps. I remember the night I first heard The Misfits. It was on Aggressive Rock, hosted by Brian Taylor on CKLN 88.1. He played Teenagers from Mars off maybe the horror business single, I don't know, and then came back on the air and said, good luck finding it. That made me think I'd never hear that song again, but of course I eventually did, along with the rest of their catalog. I remember the first time I heard The Bad Brains. It was when I bought the Rock for Light album based solely on a rave review in a metal magazine. The whole way home, I was very skeptical as to what I had just purchased. The back photo with four Rastafarian-looking dudes and produced by Rick Ocasek from The Cars uh, didn't look promising. But I still, I still went with it, and when the needle hit the record and Coptic times came screaming out of my speakers, it was like getting a slap in the face for doubting it. I remember the time when I first heard Motley Crue's Shout at the Devil after reading about them for months in Circus Magazine. And when I finally heard them, starting with their Bowie-esque intro in the beginning, I immediately knew school sucked and I too needed to shout at the devil. Of course, as time goes on, the glow that fandom brings dims a little. The tendency is to get a little set in one's ways and new music isn't met with glowing fascination and enthusiasm as it once was. There's a tendency to stick with one's generation of music and not delve too deep into newer musics or newer bands. I guess since most people become fanatics while they're young, music becomes somewhat of a fountain of youth with its ability to unlock and relive memories of, of, of one's youth. I get that. But what I don't get is the music fan part. I mean, you got into music so fanatically at one point, why stop there? Why not keep going and keep searching. I admit my fandom for bands isn't as passionate and fanatical as it once was. I will not drive five hours to see my favorite band and wait another three hours to meet them anymore. But maybe it's because it's become part of my job now. Or maybe it's because I've gotten a little older and set in my ways. Whatever the case, what still remains is the quest to experience that feeling I got when I would discover new bands and what a fire it would light in me. I still get that feeling these days, albeit not as often, and I'm not as boisterous about it, but that feeling is there. And when I feel it, a light bulb goes off in my head. I must know this band. I must consume this band. I must have this band's music in my life. Over the years, it's happened sparsely. Admiral Sir Cloudsley Shovel, the Biters, Judah, the Doom Riders, Shining, Grand Magus, and Church of Misery, all bands that I feel a need to align myself with, either as a fan or as a fellow band, just like I did years ago while I was getting into music. 
Each one of those bands ignited that spark I've been feeling since I was a kid, and they have my immediate gratitude. Well, there's a new band to add on the list now, and that's Radkey. Radkey are a band made up of three brothers from St. Joseph, Missouri. D. Radkey on lead vocals and guitar, Isaiah Radkey on bass, and Solomon Radkey on drums. Their story is fascinating, but their music is phenomenal. Three on the floor, punk rock, heavily influenced by the Misfits. D is the second coming of Glenn Danzig. I love this band. Last year, I featured them on my rock and roll scene series. And since we're in lockdown, I've been thinking, why not track these bands down and chat for for an entire podcast episode instead of mentioning them for a couple of minutes? I did that a few weeks back with Denzel from the OBGMs, and I plan on doing more of these types of episodes where it features a new rock band on the scene. Radke, however young they may be or seem, they've been around for 10 years, so not exactly a new band on the scene, but, you know, new to me. They started when they were teenagers, and they've only grown and gotten better and bigger. They just released a new album last year called No Strange Cats, And we're all set to play with the Foo Fighters before COVID hit. Rumor has it, they might even be featured in Dave Grohl's upcoming new documentary on vans and touring bands. These guys are so good. I had to take my right hand and place it under my jaw and snap it back into place when I first discovered them. Since then, I've been a big fan of theirs. So I reached out and thought, well, if all of us bands are home due to COVID... Radke must as well. So this is my chat with Isaiah Radke, and thanks to Matt Radke for setting this up. If you haven't already, I'd appreciate a review or a rating on iTunes too. You can listen and subscribe to this podcast for free on either Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Isaiah Radke because it starts now. The Tango Joe's podcast is the best around The Clinic and his Tango's crew will tell him for free I'm sad glad I like to sometimes Get me in from fucked up Stop playing Hang down, down Gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready because the Danko Jones podcast starts. Now. How's it going? Hey, Isaiah, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I uh, just kind of hanging out was just watching that movie once upon a time in hollywood just like super loud just i kind of just rock in the morning chilling oh nice so you guys like us and like every band on the planet um are on ice until this covid thing is fixed so oh i've been following you guys during the lockdown and you guys seem to be making uh uh, a bit of noise uh, while you're locked up. So 
you're you're making the best of it, I think, right? Yeah, totally. Like <clears throat> we're just pretty much doing whatever we can. Like we can we're trying to figure out the best sounding kind of streams and trying to also play things a little bit hold on, hold on, my cat oh, just <laughs> Hey buddy. Hey buddy, come on. Chill out. <laughs> He's just screaming at the window. So yeah, um we were pretty much just like trying to find like the best sound for these like streams and trying to do things like acoustic stuff that we've never done before. So we can keep us kind of challenged, but also like entertain people and try to give like the best kind of thing we can. And also, you know, we got time to finish recording the album and stuff and, and that's, that's been cool, but yeah, it's been a weird time. It's been a weird time. And one of the things that makes us feel, you know, sort of, you know, comfortable is like, like you said, we're all in this together, you know, so it helps that we're all kind of in the same boat. Yeah. I mean, now I guess we'll go through the history of Radkey in a moment, but um, my question is because Radkey is a band of brothers, are you guys all under the same roof? Or are you guys like separate? Are you in separate lockdowns? How is this working we for you guys? Yeah, we're all under the same roof. Uh, yeah, it's been, and we never really ever hung out very much, anyways, as far as outside of the house. So it's just been kind of, it's been definitely different, but like not too crazy. Like we're, we're not, you know, uh, we're, we're pretty used to being alone together for long periods of time. Right. And even in the house. Right. Right, I figure if you guys are touring together, anyone who tours knows that there's hours and hours of just kind of looking at each other, <laughs> doing nothing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so so you mentioned like a live stream for, the, uh, for during COVID, and aren't you guys doing some sort of like Patreon thing with demos, or, or do I have that wrong? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I didn't even mention that. But yeah, we're doing a whole Patreon thing. And then we were, we're pretty much making it to where it's like, okay, well, we have all these like audio memos and like demos of songs and like, you know, like covers. We're like actually recording home studio covers mm -hmm. as good as we can and even doing some music videos for those. And we're just trying to do like, we have so much time to make all this content. So we're like, okay, well, maybe that could just be kind of a way we could give to the fans and also like make kind of a job out of just giving like just finding like the raggy archive stuff actually kind of getting off of our asses and giving the fans some things that they would definitely trip out on kind of hearing like we've got like a lot of our songs we have just recordings of us coming up with them just like oh yeah like like that kind of thing mm -hmm. that's cool i mean uh Okay, so the, it, your band is so interesting to me, mainly because I'm an only child. And so I grew up alone. And the dynamic of Radke is fascinating to me because you guys, like I mentioned before, if no one knew already, are three brothers. And you're quite spaced uh, close together in age. So... Um, Isaiah, you are the bass player. D is the oldest brother on guitar and vocals, and Saul is on drums as the youngest of the three. Um, now, how did you guys? I kind of think I know the answer, but how did you guys usually when 
when people get into music the, as hard and as deep as you guys did, it's because of an older sibling or an older person at a record store or, you know what I mean, an uncle who's cool or something. So what is your entry point with, with rock and roll? Well, um, so, you know, we were homeschooled and we had just kind of hung out a lot and did school and dad at some point. Well, he had always had good music around, but he brought this movie School of Rock to the house and that movie pretty much just makes anybody want to start a band especially as a kid and he had a lot of the music like Ramones and ACDC and stuff from that movie and we just just listened to a lot of that and it just blew our minds and then we ended up getting a guitar and in a bass and a drum kit and D our older brother he actually took off with that and he practiced and played for a lot of years, probably like a whole 10 years or something before Saul and I even really stopped being lazy and started doing stuff. It was when D um, was asked to join, to fill in on bass for a cover band. He was playing my bass, which I didn't even play, but as a brother, I was like, well, I could, I should probably be playing my bass, so let's start a band. And <laughs> like, well, I'll, I'll play drums. And we are just like, okay, well... We'll just make a deal with ourselves that we just practice every day. If not, like we don't get Christmas presents or something like that. We just decided for ourselves, and we did practice like every day, and really worked up getting our chops up. And then for like I want to say it was like a year of practice before Fishbone had a gig in Merriam, Kansas, that a band had dropped off of, and you know we Whoa. asked, yeah, we asked to fill in. Our dad asked, and they basically said yes. They just asked if we could play a 30-minute set, and they didn't even ask how old we were or if we had ever played a show before. So we just got in there, and our first show was actually just so cool and packed to where we could never give up the dream just because, Right. I mean, like, you felt that. And it was yeah. like, and the next show was obviously terrible, like two people. <laughs> it's like chasing that, like, dragon the whole time. Like, right. Man. Give me that. Give me that packed show, please. Now, what did uh, what did Fishbone say about your set when you were done? Well, I want to say Walter. He saw, or he, he, I think he saw some of the set, and he was the only one. I think everyone else was kind of chilling. But uh, I remember Norwood mentioning that, like, man, if you would have told me that there were three black kids on stage, I would have been running to check it out. Mm -hmm. Like, like you know, he knew that there was some young kids playing, but he didn't know it was, like, the whole situation. Like, someone didn't give him all the details, but it was cool. Like, we got to, like, hang out, and they were just the nicest, coolest dudes, and, like, they gave us, like, awesome advice, and, and uh, they brought out a big case of Coors Light for Dad. Uh, cause they <laughs> so it was, like, it was pretty sweet. It was a really magical night. We had IHOP after it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best first impression for you guys to just keep going, I guess, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We and, needed that thing again. I, yeah. See, what, what's so great, what's so amazing about you guys, and I, I'm pretty sure you've heard this now ad nauseum since you started, but first of all, how old were you guys at that Fishbone show? I want to say it was like, 13, Damn. 15, it was in that area, and we're all two years apart, yeah, so it's it's in that, like, Saul could have been 12, 13, somewhere like that. 
Oh my God. It's so, imp- that's such a heavy, deep impression uh, to, to go. <laughs> Sorry. I would say it was insane, man. Well, um, see, I've, I don't want to, I don't want to name names or out anybody, but there's been bands where, you know, I've seen where it's been like three brothers, they all can play. And for some reason, they just never got to that next level. They remained a local band and we would play with them whenever we'd come through town, their town. Um, but what sets you guys apart is not only do all three of you have your chops together and very important, your stage presence, but, um, I mean, I gotta say these vocals, he's, in the, he's for, for, I, from when you guys started putting out records, his, and I'm, I'm a singer myself. So that's what I focus in on. And Dee's in a great singer. He's an amazing singer. Um, as the as the anchor for your band, it's it's exceptional. And but but also the music that you guys are making influences, apart from all the other bands who were you know kind of homemade because they were all brothers and sisters, your influences are are very deep as well. And I'm assuming it's from your dad's record collection. Yes, absolutely. He had like just. It was just the deepest thing, like the Who, the Beatles, obviously, Weezer, Led Zeppelin, Hendrix, like Joe Satriani, just so many crazy things. That's pretty eclectic when it comes to rock already. Um, yeah, like phone, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, so, uh, that's, that's why, I, I mean, it's one thing when a band can play and the band looks good on stage and can can grab a band but uh can grab an audience but i don't want see i don't know how you guys feel about this but these vocals to me when i listen to them you they sound like glenn danzig and the misfits some of the melodies uh fall in line with the misfits and for as a misfits lifetime fan myself when i hear a band like that that's what first attracted me to you guys um your songs are so catchy in that sense is that an influence? Thank you. That's amazing. See, that's what's really crazy. We actually got into the Misfits after people kind of compared us to them a lot. But I will say we did know of Glenn Danzig's solo stuff, and that was what we were aware of, and that was from Guitar Hero. And so that was like that was really cool to kind of get into. Because like for no kidding, yeah, some of their songs are so like radky-esque. It's really cool. And then the vocal, it's like pretty yeah, it's pretty like like someone told us about this song Hybrid Moments. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds so much like D specifically. There's there's different Danzig voices kind of, which obviously you know, but that one specifically I think is like, Oh, I finally got it when people said, Listen to Hybrid Moments. I'm like, Oh, yeah, okay, nice. So that's cool. And but yeah, fucking misfits are legit. We love Danzig's like solo stuff a lot. Like, like that's what we kinda grew up on, kinda, but like, um yeah, in in What's really cool about Dee's voice is, like, I remember when he first busted out uh, two songs when we were first practicing ever, the first he'd ever sung for us. I remember just the feeling of, like, man, we actually have, like, a really good, solid voice. Like, we could actually have a band, actually, with this vocal. Because we are into bands like Weezer and Foo Fighters and all that stuff where we, it's just like, man, the vocal, yeah, is such a huge part of it. And to have just a 
powerful, iconic vocal, and one that falls in line with like you know Danzig, Elvis, uh, 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 The Doors. What am I thinking? Um, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, all those yeah. guys. Yeah, but I think Danzig first, and mainly it is the melodies, and I believe it is Hybrid Moments, which is one of the songs where I kind of a beat it with you guys going. These guys just. I mean, we've done that as well in our band, and and uh, I think it's a tribute. You know, everybody knows where you're getting it from, and nobody's accusing you of, or us, our band, of ripping anyone off, because we'll quickly say, absolutely, we're fans, and we love that band. But you're telling me that your, your realization of the Misfits came after you had already come up with those melodies. Yeah, dude, Otto, man, so, dude, the weirdest thing, because the song has come a little bit closer. Yes. Come a little bit closer. And, okay, we had a fan tell us, hey, man, that's from a song called Vampira, dude. You're going to get, like, sued. And we're like, no. But then we listened to Vampira, and it, do, doesn't it come at, like, the end? And we are like, what? Because, like, for real, like, come a little bit close. And it kind of sounded in the gibberish in the jam. I was like, yeah, come a little bit closer. So, yeah, we we're just like, fuck, we have to, like, keep it and it just be like, yeah, dude, it's 100% in another song. What the hell? But, yeah, and, like, for instance, with, like, lifting things as tribute, like, for instance, like, Weezer, like, we'll fucking full-on do, like, a Weezer-y guitar solo just, like, and be like, yeah, dude, we love Weezer. And, like, obviously, you want to kind of be bands sometimes as a band, and that's pretty cool. And then, like, yeah, with song we get to be Misfits. It's pretty, pretty amazing. That's incredible. That it must have. Do you, do you think that maybe subconsciously you'd heard it or you? That has to be something. There has to be something. I don't think it came out of nowhere. It's just really. But if it did, that would be so magical. Like 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 the same exact thing in lyrics and melody. Like that would be insane. But we didn't get it first. I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, I mean, it's great that you're embracing that, and I don't think anyone's going to fault you for doing that. In fact, when I heard that, and I, and I knew the the Misfit songs, I was, I, I, I it made me lo- love your band more because of that. Um, I, you know, you're not shying away from the influence, basically. Oh no, no, exactly. And like, like what we said with the Weezer thing, like in Hunger Pain, we've got. Sometimes you just gotta go like a like some of that like pavement kind of stuff. Like you just gotta same well, with like back to back on stage. Sometimes you just gotta. Man. Well, on the new album or the last record from last year, um, No Strange Cats, I did I did hear more of a Weezer influence on that album than the other albums. Am I wrong? You're it, totally right. Like yeah. we we weren't def- we weren't good enough songwriters. I would say in the delicious rock noise age to be able to kind of really rock out like a pop song but that was our challenge with no strange cats because the first song d had a demo for saint that song saint elwood and it was pretty pretty dancey we're just like nice man let's rock that out and kind of see where it goes and a lot of no strange cats was based off of just how dancey saint elwood was and we're just like we're just trying to prove like we can have a rock and roll dance party kind of like there can be a dance party section of the set and it's it's really cool and like that was one of our goals with that it's like let's get like a really bright sound but then like bust up in some solos and like be like yeah dude here's some crazy solos in this song just to remind you that we're ready to shred you know 
So you guys have been actively putting out records, whether they be singles, EPs, or LPs, since 2014 or 13? Yes. I, I don't know the, the year on the EPs, but the LP started coming in 2015, right? I believe that's right. So that has taken you around a good part of the world, Europe and North America. Um, and it's, it's landed you on the Jules Holland show for, for, for one spot. How was that, man? And how did that happen? Oh, that was one of the craziest things. And now, <laughs> so we, um, after South by Southwest, we basically played a show for like 12 people. And then we got signed to this British label. And then we flew out and did our first show in England was Download Fest. Oh, and then we're amazing. doing yeah, it was crazy. And then we're doing that, and the next thing you know, it's like, hey, uh, you're going to be on Jules Holland. And it's like, okay, what's Jules Holland? And then we look it up, and it's this big legendary thing. And we're like, okay. And then then turns out that the lady who um, books bands for Jules Holland, she usually has to check out a live show, and she booked us based on our Cat and Mouse Rec Room video not even having seen us live. So it was like, okay, so that's a lot of pressure too. And then, so we, we get on the, we get there and we have a rehearsal and we play and all the bands are there, Franz Ferdinand, all that. It's freaky. And, um, D's aunt blows out on our last song rehearsal, the rental. And man, if it wouldn't have, if it would have been, you know, one song if we would have played that song it would have busted out live mm -hmm. you know you're mm -hmm. over kind of and it was really scary it's like man that's how fast you can lose everything and it not be your fault kind of i mean i had always had to plan that i would sing a solo like and i had done that once live and it was pretty successful like as a joke but i wouldn't have wanted to do that had to be the impression you know yeah so yeah it was pretty crazy um Gold Trap had to replay a song because we uh, messed up our rehearsal. Oh, well, you know, that's why I'm, I, I I'm terrified of playing on live television because uh, Murphy's Law, something will happen yeah. or something will happen in the rehearsal that'll throw you off when you actually do go live. Yep. But it seems like you guys pulled it off. I, I didn't I didn't get that vibe from you at all when I was watching it. That makes me happy, yeah, because we went in like, okay, we definitely, we have to try to not get invited back and break some rules, so we uh, we went in like, no questions, we're going to go over time and start going crazy, and that was just kind of fun, and what was funny, though, is that we, I don't think we even, we barely pissed Jules off, I think he was mostly just waiting for it to end, I thought it was funny that we weren't quite powerful enough to even irritate him. It was hilarious. <laughs> but on time, though, but we definitely couldn't get it on him. Like, I wanted him to be pissed and be like, never again will they be. It was just like, man, nice try, guys. <laughs> well, yeah, I noticed at the end there, you guys were, you know, kind of pulling a little bit of a Pete Townsend thing going on there. Uh, oh, yeah. You didn't, oh, yeah. You didn't exactly smash the bass, but, but you did do a, a flip on your back, right? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. I mean, that's that, that's incredible. And that was in 2015 or 2014? Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, I want to say it's 14. Man, that's amazing. I, I, that, that's, that's, 
so stellar. I, yeah, so you guys, okay, so then on that same trip you did download. So how was download? We've played download a couple of times, and uh, they've been fun. They've been fun, but how was your experience? I thought it was a really fun time. Like, I was definitely kind of freaked out, but I had, I feel like I had a good time. It was big stage, you know, I hadn't done too many of those. But we like to watch, like, I mean, we had, like, YouTube DVDs and stuff, so I've always known how to, like, put on, like, a rock show, kind of, you know what I mean? Like, if you watch those DVDs and stuff, and it's fun how many, how you can, like, signal people and, like, do stuff and they, like, react. It's, like, it's all about that confidence. Like, that's really fun and cool. Like, it was fun to experiment with that kind of stuff on that whole, like, download fest and European festival kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And and did you do anything more in the UK like after that? Were you so you weren't asked back to the Jules Holland show? <laughs> no, and uh, <laughs> so maybe it was success. But, right. Uh, so we we um, right after the Jules Holland, uh, this band Drangehead was on Jules uh, just a, on like an anniversary. It was a couple of weeks before us, and they were like our age, and we did like a whole uh, UK tour with them, and that was pretty cool. That was a really interesting time. Um, the only thing that sucked was though their like management had there were two pieces, so they like their management had me play in the middle like every night. And you could tell the band definitely like wanted to hook us up with our stage setup, but the management was all about like, nah, let's like not give them the full space. So that was one of those tours where you got to experience that kind of mm. kind of thing. People kind of interfering with your show. Seems like sounds like the management was interfering with the band, their band, <laughs> their yeah, band's yeah. wishes already. Absolutely, because like I've seen the drummer uh, Rory literally like be like, "Can we just move the drum set over there?" And the manager like, "Nah, nah, nah." I was like, "Okay, okay, okay, I get it." Hmm. That's that's, that's always a, sucky. I know, man, because I played with two piece bands that have no problem with telling the sound guy that we're gonna get our actual stage set up. Right. Right. Yeah, and as a two-piece, it's really easy to to take their gear on and off the stage. Totally, totally, totally. Because of how much D sounds like Glenn Danzig, how much some of the songs have uh, a Misfits vibe to it, have you heard from Glenn Danzig himself or any of the Misfits or, or any of people from Danzig? Actually, we have not. We have not, and I would I would be very interested actually to hear what they thought of our vibe because I love being compared to that stuff. I I think it's like legendary stuff, and it's like I would I would think it would be cool if they liked it. Like we've got like nods from like you know like Faith No More's bassist and like you know Offspring and stuff, and like but it'd be really cool to get you know, the nod from a band that you get compared to a lot. Because it is Misfits we get compared to pretty much always. And that's what made us, you know, obviously like, man, let's listen to this. Because it's like, because I had only really known, like, you know, I didn't never thought we sounded like uh, Skulls. That was kind of the only song I knew. Mm-hmm. But then once you dig deeper, it's like, oh, yeah, totally. I, uh, you know, there are a lot worse bands to be compared to. And, I mean, being compared to the Misfits is a... I mean, I think that is a huge compliment in and of itself right there, right off the top. Um, so if you guys embrace that comparison, I think 
I, I don't think it will turn off people. I think you'll get more people. Absolutely. And we've actually covered Last Caress a couple times. It's, it's, it's like we just give it to people because it's like it's going to sound so much like the Misfits almost exactly. So mm-hmm. sometimes we're like we're just going to give them Last Caress. Let's just give it to them full on. Like it's really fun to do that because you could you could just see in people's eyes. They're just so like happy. It, it's really great. <laughs> it's really, really great. It's like, oh, yeah, let's give them some Misfits. Come on. Yeah, that's that is that's I mean it's, it's fascinating to me that D did not affect his voice to sound like Glenn Danzig cuz he wasn't that aware of the bands he was in. So totally. it, it, that is that is fascinating to me. Um because most people will put on the Glenn Danzig voice uh to try and get near what a lot of people consider perfection. So to get near sounding like Glenn, you know, you have to affect your voice to a certain degree. But D just it, this comes out naturally for him. That's great. Yes. Yeah. I, there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you. Um, so, like I said, I, I grew up an only child, and my parents were not cool about rock music. They did not like it. They thought it was a bad influence on me. But that spurned me to get into it even more. Um, mm-hmm. that made me get into it even more. So how, having your dad be so into it as your, as, uh, your, the, the main influence on you guys in terms of music, um, that's an, a dynamic, uh, that's foreign to me. Um, so <laughs> I guess without getting personal, have there been other ways to rebel? <laughs> Man, um, I, I, maybe... Maybe it's the way we play deep, deep MMO RPGs. Maybe that's maybe that's what we do in that video game Harvest Moon, where it's just living a life on a farm. Maybe that's the <coughs> the rebellion. I don't know because uh, Dad's not super into that stuff, but he's into a bunch of other video games. But man, I don't know. Like that's the only thing I can think of that that we do that's like kind of crazy is that we're real deep into some real nerdy stuff and i guess anime too like create mad deep like can't stop writing songs about it level because i i mean originally rock and roll was uh, you know a a form and expression of rebellion you know Mm -hmm. um and usually it was rebelling against authority figures like parental units teachers politicians etc etc so to have in your corner your dad in your corner that erases that kind of authority figure to go against and then to top it all off your dad is your manager and he tours with you guys yes yes so how is like i don't want to get personal with you guys but how how is the dynamic when maybe something you know like after the show things get rowdy does does your father put on his manager hat or is there dad hat or are there even any hats? Like I'm so fascinated by that dynamic because when a band is on tour, a lot of the times the tour manager becomes the authority figure. He's the, he or she's the one who's supposed to round up the, the recruits and, you know, get everybody in the van, get everyone in the hotel safely. Is there a hat that your, your father puts on? 
Yeah, definitely. Like, and 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 the thing is, that's crazy with being homeschooled and hang, having hung out with dad all the time, and then having dad, you know, go to work and missing him, and then like, you know, the band being able to. Uh, I'm gonna get a little choked up actually talking about it, but like the band being able to make it to where um, we could hang out with dad all the time. Um, he 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 like drives. And it's just really like if we're if it's getting like we're like hanging out and partying or whatever, if he's like, you know, time to go or like we got to go, it's just because, you know, he needs to, to sleep and we just have a really good understanding, you know, like he does a lot. And, yeah, we all really love each other. And, yeah, there's a lot of understanding. So there's not, um, not too many times where it, it's ever been bad and maybe ever only like one or two and that would probably be like my fault or something you know oh that's i mean that's incredible man that is incredible um i think your father uh is really lucky um to be able to you guys are lucky to be able to tour with each other it's great that you guys are able to do it and the fact that you guys recognize it as being something special is is great too. Thanks, man. Like, it is. It, <clears throat> it really means a lot to to do it and like make him proud and like you know bring the family and like the fam bring something to like the family name, you know. Well, I think the band has done that as the name of the band is your name, the namesake, and. You know, you, I, I, and and you guys are doing it. Your band is ultra cool, man. I really love your band. I'm a big fan, man. Um, you're doing the name very proud. Thank you. That means a lot to me, man. That's awesome. I I I mean, I'm. I, I did. I had. I had a few. I didn't mean to. I did. I didn't mean to poke too too deeply. I don't. I don't want to no, get man. personal. I love, I love podcasts, and um, I love the opportunity to 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 give kind of everything. I'm a really big fan of this whole format stuff, and uh, it's like an honor to me to have even been able to dig that deep. And I think it's because I've done a few, and I feel like I'm getting you know I'm getting there to where I want to do interviews that I would you know want to listen to, and you know kind of get deep. And that's I think that's awesome, man. This is this is really cool. Well, I, I mean, I did. I did want to ask you um, another thing about it. Is um, uh, you guys? Maybe it's just my perception of America and the Midwest because you guys are based out of Missouri, right? Yes. It, it, are you guys like? Is it a very religious uh, upbringing that you guys had, or or a religious city that you're from? I find America to be very religious, right? Yes, we were super crazy religious growing up, like, and that was the family's influence. And um, my mom and dad kept it up for pretty much as long as they could. And I, I remember my dad told me, um, kind of when he kind of came out of Christianity and really realized it was not for him was when um, I think believe my mom was having uh, pregnancy problems. And we do have like a, I assume it was probably for our stillborn brother and um 
so basically my dad asked the preacher kind of like you know you know for help and the preacher just looked at him like are you kidding me dude like what do you want me to do like this is all bullshit you know and it's like oh okay oh so that kind of broke stuff up and then like you know our great grandpa who mostly it's our great grandpa that everyone loved like he on his was very religious and he had like a youth center and kansas city and he was a really awesome dude and when he died he or on his deathbed he said like you know i was wrong so i think he wanted everyone in the family to abandon the religion and i lived by that kind of when i discovered that story and so yeah we kind of our parents weren't like so they were never really super into it and when we were out of it it was like they just let us come out of it they didn't force us out of it like at some point you're just like can i just sleep you know i don't want to You'd sometimes it was so psycho it was you would pray your nighttime prayer which is kind of long and you would fall asleep in the middle of it and you'd force yourself up you'd be like okay okay, okay pray 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 and sometimes that would happen like five six times you just keeping yourself awake and then that would happen to d that would happen to Saul, just like some weird spell that's on you and it i remember the first time i went to sleep like i'm not gonna pray it was the greatest greatest sleep i've ever had i remember where it was i was on a couch my old house the pink house in st joe crazy wow yeah i mean i went to i went to catholic school so i kind of know a little bit about that I just had to ask because, only because, when I found out you guys were from Missouri and you're doing like Misfits kind of influence, I thought, wow, these, these guys like listen to the Misfits and then you told me you listen to Danzig more and Danzig is very satanic. I was thinking uh, there had to have been a clash somewhere being from Missouri. Um, so that's interesting. Oh yeah, we used to figure out that the devil liked all the cool stuff that felt good. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I figured that out too. You know, and uh, a lot of it <laughs> is is yeah, like I, I, but it never stopped me um, when I would listen to like satan like Slayer or Danzig or anything that was like outwardly uh, satanic. I just would say to myself, well, look. I got to listen to this because this is awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, it was crazy. When I was when I was a kid and I would listen to Angel of Death by Slayer, I would, uh, yeah, there would just be times where, you know, the lyrics would be just too crazy. And, I, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Now I listen to it and it's not a big deal. But I, I understand yeah. that. It, it, it's an interesting thing. So, when I found out you guys were from Missouri, that's when I, you know, I thought if you were from New York City, I'd be like, well, I would think maybe I'm wrong, but Missouri is a little more remote, you know, or or a little more of itself, or you know, a cutoff or something. That's definitely true. Like in St. Joe, where I'm from, I would say that they're probably a good ten years back from anything, kind of. And then um, I don't, I don't know. I know Kansas City's pretty cool, and, and they've gotten cooler and cooler. But what I can really say is St. Joe is a weird place that had pretty much nothing. And and that's kind of what St. Elwood's about. It's just kind of like how bored we were there. And, you know, good movies wouldn't stay in the theater because no one wanted to see them. So you'd get like a week of a good movie. And it was just 
kind of no independent stuff. It was just kind of torture if you liked kind of art and things like that. And there weren't a whole lot of good places to play. And it it, it was pretty pretty wild. So I think that definitely influenced a lot of the vibe. Now, um, before COVID, and listen, man, like we've had our whole year canceled. So many tours are are off the off the books now. Um, our whole summer, we were supposed to be in Europe doing festivals as you, as were you guys doing tours and stuff. But, um, you guys are supposed to tour with the Foo Fighters. Am I right? Yeah, man, we were going to do some shows. It's, um, uh, or at least the 4th of July, mm-hmm. uh, that, um, thing that got canceled. Yeah. And then. So yeah, we were going to do that show, and that was canceled, but at the very least, um, they're doing that movie, What Drives Us, and we're going to, we're like, uh, it's about basically bands and vans, and we're just like the young band in a van that's, it's just kind of like some of what we've been through, kind of, and it's just like a bunch of, bunch of just musicians telling their stories about vans and stuff, and we're just, it's cool that that happened and it's really such a bummer that that fourth of july show went down but like you know it was cool to even be asked to do it um so is this movie that you're gonna be in is this uh is this a dave grohl project yes oh okay and it hasn't been released yet no and he's uh he's talked about it i believe on a podcast yeah it's called what drives us there's a little info about it um but yeah dude um i'm excited because it's like uh one of our major dreams in life was to just make rock history and and to be you know talking about touring in a van that's like a really big achievement for us oh man so um is this a netflix thing and when's it coming out do you know I actually have no idea. Um, right. I, I don't know. Like I'm really excited though. So like that's amazing. Yeah, like I, I, yeah, I, I almost can't even believe it, especially with what's going on right now. Just sitting in my house, gardening, you know. <laughs> well, um, I have to assume, like a lot of the festivals, um, the Foo Fighters will honor that date i have to assume that or at least some dates with you guys in the future when covid is fixed and we can all go back out and play shows again absolutely and that would be so cool i would love that you guys also toured with jack white in 2018 how was that that was one of the most insane experiences of my life because like, I mean, rock Verkter, there's big European festivals and that's its own thing. But when you're playing like this guy's a mega rock star, it's totally different feeling from a festival. And it's just like, woo. And, and then the craziest part is after the first show, I want to say show and a half, we did four shows. It became like a regular gig in your head. <laughs> it was like, Wow. I'm just chilling about to just play this show. It This it, is it, such a trip. It was such a trip because you would never think in your life that like, all right, today's Jack White show, let's do this. All right, 
like you're not even as nervous as you were because you were so nervous that first show. I was, ah, oh, man, I was so nervous. It was in Washington, I believe. Ooh. Did you guys you guys played Rock Verkter with with Jack White as well? Um, that was a uh, that was a uh, during the European Festival circuit. I think Metallica headlined it that year. Oh, I see. Oh, right, right. You you guys like a, a big crowd like Rock Verkter. Yeah, right. yeah. We've played Verkter, I think, uh, two or three times as well. I love that festival. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a the the Benelux festivals like Belgium and Holland. Those are always the most. They're the most organized and usually best curated festivals. They have a wide range of really cool bands. Absolutely, and I, I mean, I always feel bad for the headliners because you just you're just chilling in like paradise for just ever until you play. I can't imagine the struggle it would be to keep yourself like good, to, like like either either awake or like you know didn't smoke too much weed or whatever the hell you would do in such a sweet environment like well that's i mean that is so cool that that's great that you guys toured with jack white that makes sense to me um that he would take you guys out i i I mean i wish you guys the best um once covid is done i hope you guys uh rule the world um and uh more power to you i i did a podcast Last year, I do one every year where I feature new rock bands that people should get into. And I featured you guys last year in 2019. Um, and so while we're in lockdown, I figured, why don't I start getting a lot, some of these bands that I really, really like on the podcast to, to actually talk to them rather than just talk about them. I needed to, to meet you even though it's by voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's great that uh, that I can kind of meet you, and maybe uh, when COVID is over, we can maybe get to play together on on at Rock Verkter or some crazy festival in in Europe. That would be amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I totally. I've always figured we'd do shows together. So I I I am excited. I'm looking forward to that day. Awesome. Uh, my hats off to you guys. Thank you, thank you. <laughs>